Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another segment of Complete Wellness with Cindy, the Busy Woman's Cheerleader. This is the channel where women from all walks of life can stop by, get tools and resources to help them thrive 360 in mind, body, spirit, and finances. I invite you to stay connected, subscribe to this channel, and visit me online at thecindyrand.com. Now for today's segment. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another segment of Complete Wellness with Cindy, the Busy Woman's Cheerleader. I am so super excited as usual, but first, let's do a little housekeeping. Our power quote of today is charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That comes from Proverbs 31.30. Now, without further ado, if you will help me to welcome Dr. Robin Buckley. Hello, Robin. Hi, Cindy. Good to be here. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's a great start to the year, and I'm looking forward to just a year filled with energy. Good, good. I love it. I love it. So let me ask you the golden question of the day. What made you get into your field of study? Now, I understand that you are an executive coach and a couples coach. So how did that come about for you? Yeah, so yeah, I feel like I wear three hats. So I do professional <laughs> speaking, and then I have the two areas of coaching. I actually started in traditional mental health. So my background is in clinical psychology, but wow. the more I did it, the more I really didn't align with the crisis intervention medical model of traditional mental health. And coaching came my way pretty early before coaching was an industry really, or that people were aware of it. So in 2005, right after I finished my PhD, I also got trained uh, and educated as a coach. And that model where it's proactive and preventative, that makes sense to me. So um, I started working with executives and predominantly executive women. And the more I worked with them, the more their relationships came up. And so I created uh, my own model around couples coaching, which gives couples a, a, an alternative to couples therapy. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So tell us about like, you know, basically what you do to help people through your coaching. Right. So if I'm working with an individual female, uh, whether she's an executive, business owner, entrepreneur, it's really helping her define what she wants, which women are, as a generalization, notoriously bad at. They are good at, at telling me what they want for their kids and their significant others and their parents. But when it comes to, okay, what about me? Somehow society has taught us that, that it's selfish if we say what we want. Right. And so I help them frame that and develop the mindset that it's not selfish. It's actually self-preservation and it's benefits their overall health, which means if they're functioning at their optimal level, everybody in their life benefits from that that persona that they've now um, kind of embedded in, inside of themselves. And then with the couples, same kind of thing, defining what they want in their relationship. And then I help them build a business plan for their marriage or committed relationship, which is a lot of fun. That's amazing. That is amazing. So basically like with ladies, um, you're helping them to kind of, I guess, find their voice or um, realize their authenticity as a woman, not the imposter Type of all of that, not 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 live up to a standard of perfection, which is so contrived and so un, unattainable. And it just exhausts, you know, when women come and talk to me and they say, I'm so tired all the time. I'm like, no kidding. Like you're trying to hit this standard 
that is not going to happen. And you're trying to live for everybody else and you're denying aspects of who you are that are really important. So yeah, I'd be tired too. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. I think a lot of times, and this is, you know, everything's just a matter of opinion. I think a lot of times a woman is just so engulfed in all the different hats, like you mentioned when you came on, you're saying, you know, the different hats. You're so engulfed with those different hats until sometimes, you know, a person may feel as though they've lost themselves into yeah. a relationship or into a marriage or um, into the activities of the kids or, or the job or what have you. What's your take on that? It's funny, I, I actually wrote an article about it, Cindy, and I called it the Mulan complex. So your your audience might remember Disney did a great job of like transforming that folklore, but it's based on a Chinese folklore, fork, fork, folklore, my goodness, which followed the Disney movie pretty well in terms of this young woman taking on the role of a male um, soldier so that her, her father didn't have to go to war. And then she flipped it when she came back and took on all the feminine persona that was more traditional in Chinese culture. And I think women do this a lot. We flip on our mom hat and then we flip on our professional hat and then we flip on our spouse hat. And that is draining. And somehow within those roles, we have this, again, this, this cognitive process that we have to somehow be different in each of those roles instead of just identifying what are our strengths and using those strengths in every role. So for example, one, uh, you know, women I talk to who are uh, business owners or executives, I'll ask them, well, how do you run your team meetings? What do you do for communication in your department? How do you handle conflict? And they can rattle off what they do so well. And then I say, well, can you apply any of that to your kids or your significant other? And they're like, oh no, that's different. I'm like, it's not actually different. Those are your strengths and they can be applied. And I think, as you were saying, if women did that, we wouldn't feel that that push and pull that that being torn in different directions because we're just being authentically us. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. So what would be like some, I would say, simple, doable steps, actionable steps that busy women could take in order to step into that level of authority or level of power, you know, regardless of their dynamics, family dynamics or work life dynamics? Yeah, I think it does start with, with identifying what their wants are and their wants as a woman, not in any role, not in just, just what do you want out of your life and writing them down. And so you probably even as, as better than me know that if we write things down, they become real to our brains. So it's writing down what your wants are. And then when you process as many women do that, it's selfish Selfish, the de definition of selfish is when you're demanding other people do those things for you and, it, and get, you know, get those things for you. When you're saying, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to work to get to it, that's not selfish. And you know, if you want to incorporate your family or your friends and say, this is what I'm striving for, just so you know, and hopefully you can be on board with supporting me, not doing it for me, just supporting me. So I think those are the first, certainly the first two steps. And then a practical step it comes down to scheduling. It's looking at your calendar every week and, defi and defining what are the things that you want to do in your schedule and making sure you create the time for that. Because again, many women will say, oh, I don't have time to work out or I don't have time to meditate. They're not making the time. There is time. And maybe it means you shut your bedroom door and you tell the kids, as I used to say when my kids were little, Unless someone is bleeding or dismembered, mom's taking. 
20 minutes of the day. Right. And they learned to respect that when it was consistent. When right. I really held them to, is anybody hurt? No, okay, I still need my 20 minutes. It's important for women for their health. And so they don't get burnt out, they don't get resentful and they don't get overwhelmed. So scheduling and making sure you are in your schedule, I think is also an important practical step. That is awesome. So where do you think the thought process of being mm-hmm. selfish comes from <laughs> to, you know, buying for your time, your attention, all the different things that we have to separate, put together, analyze, take apart, put it back together. Where do you think that mindset comes from that it's selfish to do for yourself? Yeah, that's that's a societal norm, in my opinion, societal and cultural. So it's the same same when I talk about how powerful women are seen as scary in society and people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, but that's what we were taught because it didn't fit into the norm. You know, the norm in the 1950s, men and women had clearly defined roles, clearly defined personas even. And it offered comfort. I mean, in our society and as human beings, comfort is something that reassures us that we're secure and that we're safe. And then the 1960s and 1970s blew up the norms. But in that process, we didn't teach the member, the other members of society how to really adopt these new norms. We're just like, this is the new norm. You're going to have to you know, love it or leave it. And that's not going to work. They have to be indoctrinated in and taught how to support women and taught that a powerful woman doesn't mean that, you know, she can't also be nurturing if she so chooses or that a man can't be nurturing if he so chooses that the, the fluidity of the norms allows both members of society in terms of how they identify um, allows them to tap into what their strengths are, even if it doesn't fit into the traditional norm of masculine or feminine. So same with, you know, when it comes to this idea of selfish, women were taught again, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, that we give and we're always, you know, the be it, you know, leave it to beaver. You open the door when the kids come home from school and your apron with the home baked cookies and you have the drink waiting for your male partner when he walked through the door. And it was always give. And women are starting to learn that they can still give, but they can also give to themselves. Precisely, precisely. Uh, yeah, totally agree. So what do you think these different, um, I want to say power struggles that ladies have a lot of time, um, not amongst each other, but power struggles within um, the different, again, dynamics of their relationships. What do you think, um, how do you think that bears on their mental health? Oh. It, it is, yeah, the power struggles are what creates the exhaustion, what's, what creates the anxiety, what yes. creates this pressure that women seem to take on just, just without even realizing it. And one of the things that I teach women, um, and I'll explain, because when I first describe it, people have to do a double take, but I teach women to stop masturbating. And people always freeze like, what, what did you just say? I'm like, clear what I said, masturbating. And if people, you know, your audience isn't familiar with the term, which was coined by a psychologist. It's when, when women must themselves to exhaustion, must have to need to, and should those words are pressure words and stress words. And there's research out there that shows when we are uh, doing a PET scan 
and people say those words in sentences, you know, I have to go to the gym. I should pick up the kids, you know, early, whatever it is. Cortisol, the stress hormone spikes in their brain. So when you imagine, when you think about how often most of us use those words just in a given day, we're getting firing or fires of stress hormone all day long. So by the end of the day, it's no surprise. We're tired, we're strung out, whatever. And what I teach women to do is change those words to want and will. It's not that I should go to the gym. It's that I want to go to the gym. And usually women will tell me, Robin, I don't want to go to the gym. And I'm like, oh, I get it. So why do you go? And they're like, oh, I want to be healthy or I want to be a role model for my kids. I'm like, then that's what you say. I will go to the gym because I want to be healthy. Right. That puts you in a power position. That's not that shooting yourself. It's, it's saying, okay, this is what I want. And this is what I'm going to go do. That is what lowers our cortisol levels and what puts us back into functional control of our lives. Okay. Okay. That is awesome. So basically I pen to paper, use the power of pen to paper, uh, what we consider now, what journal writing, journaling, um, use that power um, to write or old fashioned notebook. Just get, get something to write. Really? So what about like the suppression of thoughts? So we've got like, okay, we're going to write out the goals and the thoughts. The wants, um, yes. We're going to uh, change our verbiage from I must to I will and want what about i need what i need so so it applies for all of them so sometimes people will say let me think of an example i need to go grocery shopping and they probably don't most of us i i hope most of us listening are are are, you know have the benefit of okay so maybe it's just ramen noodles that night but there is probably something in the pantry that if it's not the right timing you don't need to go to the grocery store Or maybe you change it to, I will go to the grocery store because I want certain ingredients for for a recipe. So all of those words, Cindy, get replaced by want and will. And I I can debate this. I love debating this with my clients when they're like, but Robin, sometimes there is a should. I'm like, no, there's not. And they will come up with and we will rework it until it's like, nope, everything can come back to a want or a will. And if, you know, if it's hard, then it's more likely necessary to find that want and will because when we really feel the pressure of like, no, I have to, I have to do it. That's when the cortisol isn't just going to fire. It's going to keep firing and go higher and higher. Mm-mm. What about uh, suppression? Not depression, suppression. Um, we were just mentioning about mental health and you were talking about how the cortisol, you know, with certain words or mm-hmm. certain thoughts, you know, it spikes. So um, a lot of times, you you know, you have people that suppress instead of pinning, talking, communicating um, because of those different, again, dynamics of their relationship um, so that they kind of keep the peace. They suppress it. What are your thoughts on that? How unhealthy is that? And what is a way to, um, I would say, move forward to not be that way, to not do that? I think the most important thing is that for... I. I I wish at a societal level, we looked at therapy and coaching from that preventative uh, perspective. You know, we, as women, we go see our GYNs annually for the checkup. We go twice a year to see our dentist. You know, we, we take all these physical health things and make sure it's on our calendar, but yet we never do, or I shouldn't say never. It's rare that someone actually has it scheduled in 
check in with a therapist, check in with a coach, just to make sure it might not mean that you're going to be in therapy for a couple of months. Maybe it's just that you need that check-in to make sure things are still functioning at a level you want them to function. And so for me, I very often recommend to really everybody, make sure you have someone in your, in, on your, you know, in your cell phone that you can call and schedule an appointment when it's just something feels a little off. Because again, with physical health, we wouldn't wait until our leg is black and we can't walk on it. We'd go in when we first feel the pain. Same is true for our mental health. And suppressing things, that is just like creating a bigger pile of garbage internally every time we shove something down. And when you, I always envision a landfill. And if you keep adding to that garbage that you are pushing down, eventually it's going to overwhelm you. It's going to avalanche. So suppression is never beneficial. And I know people exactly as you said, Cindy, but it keeps the peace and it keeps the harmony. No, it doesn't. It's a fake peace. It's a, it's a false harmony. And that's going to blow up bigger than if you just deal with it in the moment. Yeah. I hear that a lot, even from some of my coaching clients, um, you know, because we're mind, body, spirit finances. And so you're trying to get to like the root of yeah. different issues. Yes. You know? um, and knowing that they snowball if they're just shoved under the rug. Right. So you have to deal with those individual issues. Um, and sometimes where a person thinks that, you know, the problem is heavy on the left side, it's actually a cause and effect of something on the right side that you've omitted because you've shoved it under the rug and you've suppressed it, you know, you for so long. You probably see it so often with money issues and women because women have, again, this, um, they beat themselves up when, you know, they've let, you know, their partner or, or someone else take care of the finances. And then for whatever reason, they take over and they don't have the knowledge immediately. So they're like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to look stupid. Right. And, right. But yet you must see when they finally do, it's like, oh, absolutely. That power that now all of a sudden they have and the, the freedom to ask the questions, because now they know that's how they build their power when it comes to finances and many areas of their life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because, um, you know, I've been an accountant for almost 30 years and a business finance coach. So this is like second career for me. Yeah. So the main thing that I kind of tell them to, to kind of help them to understand that it's not what you just said. You're not stupid because you didn't right. know. You're not right. stupid because you trusted the process. Right. It's just that things have changed from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s, until now, <laughs> where women, you know, really, we wear um, different roles, we're more abreast to things, and so that's why even through my practice with that, you know, I'm semi-retired, but I still have those, those clients that I've had for yes. decades, and yes. I've seen them grow, mm -hmm. and the main thing I say, you know, I try to keep things simple, because a lot of times, you're adding on to the stress and the issues if they become overwhelmed from exactly. information overloads. Yes. So you try to keep things simple, you know, inch out just a little at a time, a little at a time, until they realize, you know what, it's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> it's not as scary. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not scary. It's not as, I mean, I'm really freaking out, thinking, oh my gosh, if this happens and that happens, and God forbid this happens, I will not be able to do that. It's, it's amazing. To me, a lot of times how people under, especially us ladies, mm -hmm. they underestimate what's within yeah. because they've suppressed or they've been told that they don't understand and they don't know all of these different pieces, these different dynamics. 
And so with the thought process of being whole, you have to address all of those. You have to address all of them. And I think that, I think that that's, you, you touched on a key point that women are, are taught these norms. They absorb these norms from society. That becomes what they assume they should be doing. And, you know, we see that in education. We see that in different fields. We see that in finances. And I think it's so important for women to have the support networks with other women, to build their networks with groups of supportive women, whatever that looks like. And not just your friends, friends are lovely, but professional women that understand what it means to be a woman woman in the the professional workplace and the things that they have to deal with so that you have a sounding board and you feel secure asking those questions because it is just other women. I think that that co-ed networking is great, but there is such value in having your 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 group of women that you really yes. become your board of directors. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because a lot of times it takes um, that outside eye, an external eye, looking in to see something that nine times out of ten is right up under your nose. Right. And then um, there is you know power in those external networks because basically we don't know you. There's no judge. We're getting to know you. We're getting to understand. But when a woman sounds off, um, let's just say like a sounding board, just say mm-hmm. something is bothering her. Um, it's not uncommon to the other ladies right. to some capacity um, right. because we've either, you know, walk that walk, <laughs> tread that treadmill. There's something that, you know, is, I would say there are levels of equivalency mm-hmm. amongst ladies in those types of groups because you know what and how to support each other because of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, while there's really wonderful supportive men out there, there we all know that there are the opposite as well. And yeah. so if a woman sounds off in a networking group, there might be those men that say, oh, she's getting emotional again. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, must, must, yeah. Must be something going on, you know, with kids <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And there's, so why would women be, as vocal, if that's the potential, even if it's just the fear of getting that backlash. Right. But with right. other women, we're gonna like, nope, we got it. We understand. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You're not alone. You know, that's something Absolutely. a lot of times, I, and especially as, um, I, you know what, I will not even say the uh, business women, I'll just say women in general, mm-hmm. you know, wherever they are in life, whatever stages yep. they're in, a lot of times I think there's like, um, a thought or fear of uh, being rejected or um, having some opposition to you letting people know how you really truly feel about a man. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people are listening and you don't have your network yet, I, I think that is one of the most important skills in life is to figure out how to network and how to create those systems around you. Because I don't know about you, Cindy, I did not get that class in high school or college. And I no, they never taught it. They they never taught it. They never taught it. They really need to. (laughs) Yeah, they they never taught it. But you know, hence the reason why I started the Busy Women's Network as like an offspring (laughs) because of, you know, the varying levels of clients with different concerns. And, you know, we uh, basically take in aspiring and 
current entrepreneurs just for that reason. Because a lot of times, and, and I'll give this quick example and then we'll round it up. A lot of times what I've found within our network, and it's fairly new, this is just something we decided at the end of the year, we're going to push for 23 and on. But one thing that I've, I've found is that a lot of people, just imagine, let's just say, you know, Uncle Ben, who's had a barbershop, the corner barbershop for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And he's thrived. He's got good word of mouth. He's got clients back and forth. He's hired some young guys, you know, to come and do different types of haircuts and shades. But he's not online. He's, his business is not online. He has thrived in the area that he's been in. Same thing with, you know, let's just say Aunt Barbara, who possibly has a beauty supply, a, a beauty shop. Mm -hmm. She's thrived the way she has been brick and mortar without having to be online. Right. The fear comes in for Aunt Barbara versus, you know, Uncle Ben, who's hired some younger guys who will probably whip him into shape. Aunt Barbara doesn't want to admit she wants right. to put her business online to get that traffic, to show off her work that she's done for 40 years. Yes. But she doesn't know who to ask. Yes. Now, she possibly has 30, 40 women coming through there that can mm -hmm. help her answer that question, get her online, and probably know how to would do it for, for free for yes. her just yes. to see her thrive as a woman, woman's woman. Right. But she's right. afraid to ask. Yes. She's yeah. afraid to ask because it may show a sign of, you know, a vulnerability or that, you know, she's weak in that area or that she doesn't know how to, I would say, um, move with the times with her right. business. Right. So she figures she'll just stay right where she is and she, she retires and maybe her great niece will take it and, and do something else with it. Right. And I think that that's part of that stereotype too, that this this idea that I don't want to reach out to other women because society tries to get us to believe that we're catty and we're yes. backstabbing. Yes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so, so far from the, the yes. norm. Like yes. we are, and, and I think it's gotten stronger and stronger with each decade that women clearly see, not only do I want to build myself up, I want to build other people, other women yeah, yeah, around yeah. me. Those exactly. that are my peers and exactly. those that are coming up the line. Like, I think that is exactly. a strong push, which I really love about women. Yes, yes, yes. You have to be together. You have to stand yeah. together. Um, yeah. You know, you would hear this thing. What was it? Um, United we stand, divided we fall or something like that or however that goes. Yeah. But that's the, the, the same thought process when it comes to supporting people or having that network of yes. people to support you. Because they're going to basically be that arm that lifts you, yes. either while they're rising or before you fall. Exactly. You know? oh. And a lot of times that friend circle, um, sometimes, you know, it, it can become a little comfortable. Whereas, a, you know, a true friend will, will, will let you know, they'll check you and let you know. But then you'll have some of those friends who are pleasers. They don't want to get you upset. And so, you know, they see there's a big old green hole down, you know, on the corner and you're headed in that direction. And it's like, <laughs> I wanted to say something, but I didn't want to get you upset. <laughs> I know you've heard it. I, I know yeah. you've heard it. Yep. I, I always say that I want the friends that will tell me when there's a piece of broccoli in my teeth. Like yeah, I don't want to yeah. around all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, look, your, your lipstick's on your teeth or your, your makeup smeared or don't rub mm -hmm. the raccoon tears. Let me know. Don't let me be made a fool of. That kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. But I have so enjoyed you. I have enjoyed you so much. Now, here's the other 
Busy woman's question of the day. Yes, indeed. What do you do with all the variant hats that you wear? What is your self-care regimen? What do you do to decompress, mm -hmm. to balance the work life and all the things you got going on? Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, so a couple of things, and this is more recently, I'm choosing to schedule time every day to actually take a walk with my dog um, because we have a big backyard. Usually she just runs around. She doesn't really need a walk because she gets it in our yard, but I am forcing myself out. And here in Southern Maine, sometimes the weather's not cooperative, but we are still doing that. And when I'm outside, even when it's freezing, just that fresh air, my brain settles down when I can listen to whatever sounds are around me. It really is a check. Um, and it's kind of the same that I get from doing yoga, which is also another piece of it. And then honestly, spending time, <laughs> we still have one child still at home. And even at 18, she likes playing board games with my husband and I, and that has become a more regular thing. And I, I really am cherishing that opportunity to, to just be, get closer to be a friend with my daughter um, as she's getting older. So that's been a lovely part of my self-care. That is awesome. That is awesome. I thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any key takeaways? How would people get in contact with you if they Absolutely. wanted to meet you? Absolutely. The easiest way is to go to my website. It's drrobinbuckley.com, all one word, uh, doctor abbreviated, but no period. And I'm happy to have a conversation about how I can help individuals or teams in terms of executive coaching or um, any kind of speaking engagements. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin. We will talk soon. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you again for tuning in to Complete Wellness with Cindy, the Busy Woman's Cheerleader. Follow me on social media at Busy Woman's Cheerleader. <laughs> Remember, together we write our stories, share our journeys, create memories, and leave our marks in history. Until next time, peace, blessings, and joy be multiplied to you. Ta-ta.